Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. All right, Mile High Report Radio is back. Adam Malnati, Ian St. Clair, and I'm just going to let Ian talk for all of us. So if you haven't been paying attention, the buzzword in the local Denver media is mentor. And the reason this question is getting thrown about is because we have lazy reporters who aren't very good at what they do. I, I am sick of this whole idea of being a mentor. Aaron Rodgers didn't get mentored by Brett Favre. Tommy Maddox didn't get mentored by John Elway. Brock Osweiler didn't get mentored by Peyton Manning. This buzzword needs to go away. Reporters need to stop talking about this stupid subject. Stop asking this dumbass question. Joe Flacco is not a mentor. It's not his job. His job is to win games for the Denver Broncos. Whether or not he can or will, we'll see. His job is not to mentor Drew Locke. That is the job of Rich Scangarello, T.C. McCartney, and anyone else on that offensive staff. Rich Scangarello, Mike Munchak, Vic Fangio. That's their job. Coaches are meant to mentor Drew Locke can learn from Joe Flacco. He can watch him. He can observe him. He can ask questions. But is it Joe Flacco's job to mentor Drew Locke? Hell no. This needs to stop. As Vic Lombardi said on Twitter, who keeps asking this crap about mentoring? It's about winning. This rant has been brought to you by the Mile High Report Radio podcast. Uh, I, I have to. I'm going to echo your your sentiments a little bit, and it's interesting because you live in the Denver area, so you see the Denver media and you kind of hear everything. And then what I get living outside of the Denver market is the sort of national attention that Joe Flacco is getting, and it's all it's all negative. And, and there are people out there who agree with you that that's not his job or whatever. But the, one of the things that 
that I heard today. I was listening to the radio while I was driving home from work, and it was that Joe Flacco was being surly. And then the the question was, well, did you did you hear him say that, or what? Were you just listening to what the quote was read as as the quote was read by somebody else? And he said, well, I didn't hear the quote. I didn't hear him speak. I just I just think he's being surly. So not only is it is it lazy reporting by by Denver media, but it's also people who take what is written down on paper and then apply their own emotions and their own ideas about how it was said and who it was said to. So that now what you have is a, a national media uh, sort of smorgasbord of, well, Joe Flacco is being mean to Drew Locke. And, and that's not what this is about. And it's kind of ridiculous. It's like you said, it's lazy reporting and, and it's just frustrating. And it kind of gets into this area of, and I'm going to steal a line from Scotty here, and I don't know if Scotty's going to hear it or not, but Scotty said this on Slack the other day. None of this needed to be said, yet here we are, right? Nobody needed to ask Joe Flacco, are, are you going to mentor Drew Locke? No, Joe Flacco's going to learn a new playbook. He's going to prepare himself to win football games, and he's going to try and lead the Denver Broncos to the playoffs and beyond. That's his job. That's what, he, that's what it says in his contract. I guarantee if you took a fine-tooth comb to his contract, it wouldn't say anything about mentoring any young quarterbacks because how stupid would that be? But it's it's one of those things where you have people who want that. Like, people want that narrative, right? Don't people, Don't you think maybe that there are people out there that want to be able to say, oh, well, he, he guided him along, he held his hand, and he turned him into the... Like, if Drew Locke becomes uh, an Aaron Rodgers-type sensation, right? Remember Aaron Rodgers took over for Brett Favre, and I'm not saying that Joe Flacco is Brett Favre, but could you imagine if he becomes as good as Aaron Rodgers after maybe Joe Flacco wins a Super Bowl in Denver? Oh, and he mentored him, and he made him so great. Brett Favre didn't mentor Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers learned from Brett Favre by observation. Because Brett Favre was too busy preparing to win football games. Period. Full stop. End of story. Brock Osweiler should have learned from Peyton Manning through observation about how to win football games. But not because Peyton Manning sat there with him and said, Well, you see what I did here on the on my Microsoft Surface Pro or whatever it is that they use. And, and I think that's where it gets frustrating is, is that it's, it's a narrative that we as fans and as media want to impose on really someone else's workplace. Like that's not how it that's not how it works in the NFL. It's about winning, not about, you know, holding the young guy's hand and making sure he's comfortable. And singing kumbaya with each other while they dance around a fire. Not that that's not an enjoyable thing to do at times. A little kumbaya, a little dancing by a fire, that never hurt anybody, but that is not football. And my problem with it is it got doubled down on Tuesday when Jeff Hireman was asked that dumbass question on if he's going to mentor Noah Fant. And Jess had the perfect response. I would pay 10 bucks for Noah Fant to say, actually, I'm going to serve as a mentor to Jeff Hireman because I can stay healthy. <laughs> that is fantastic. I just, I don't care about the answers. And Joe Flacco had the perfect response. And I'm going to read both of them in context so every so our listeners can hear what Joe Flacco said without anyone adding anything in between it on, on, how, on how Locke can learn from him. Flacco, I'm not a selfish person, I don't think. There are times where you have to be selfish, but listen, Rich does, a, does such a good job in those meeting rooms. Drew is going to learn from listening to him, listening to him talk, and then getting, and then us getting the reps on the field and seeing how we all do it as a collective group of quarterbacks. Listen, I hope he does learn from me because that means we're out there and we're slinging it around and having a lot of fun because he's going to learn by watching us do it and watching us do it well. That is how he is going to learn the timing and all of those and all of those things is going to be able to see it on film and hear Rich talk about it with me and digest as much of that as possible. Like I said, I hope he does learn from me because that means we're out there lighting it up. On if he feels like he's here to mentor Locke, Flacco, you have to be careful with how you answer that. But I think that is, like I said, it's kind of Rich's job. 
It's to be in that quarterback room and watch. That is how you can develop. Listen, I have so many things to worry about. I'm trying to go out there and play good football. I'm trying to go out there and play the best football of my life. As far as a time constraint and all that stuff, I'm not worried about developing guys or any of that. That is what it is. I hope he does well. I don't think at I don't think as at that as my job. My job is to go win football games for this football team. And if that wasn't enough, he got confirmation, affirmation from his head coach. Vic Fangio was asked on if Joe if Joe Flacco needs to be mentoring Drew Locke or whether the onus is on Locke. That's on Drew to soak in and learn. Joe's learning a new system himself. As we move along, there will be a lot more interaction to get to know each other. But primarily, it's on Drew to learn. So despite everything you've heard from national media types, clowning Flacco, saying that he's not a good teammate, that he's not going to help Drew Locke, that he's selfish, that he's surly, that he's cruel, that he's mean, that's all BS. Because that's not what I got from those answers at all. It's what you would expect. And as I said on Twitter, they were good answers. But I think the bigger point here is, can we please stop asking these dumbass questions about players being mentors? As Lori said in her story, she brought up the definition of mentor. As a noun, it means trusted and experienced advisor. As a verb, to mentor is to advise or train. I don't know about you, Adam, but to me, that sounds like a freaking coach. Yeah. I've had a lot of mentors in my life. I called pretty much all of them coach or teacher. Uh, you know, some, somebody who whose job, it wasn't like I was trying to take their job. That's the other thing I think is, is interesting. I, I think people want uh, to have that, this idea that, well, Drew Locke is there to take Joe Flacco's job. So he's not going to mentor him because he doesn't want him to be able to, which is an insane way to look at it as well. And so this idea that he's being surly or he's being short with the media or he doesn't like the question, why would anybody like the question? It's a dumb question. I, I'm not saying that he should be like, oh, I'm not going to work with him because he's here to take my job. But I don't think that's what Joe Flacco is doing. Joe Flacco is simply saying, yeah, I've, I've got a lot of other things to worry about, and I'm sure Drew's going to be fine, and he'll he'll watch, and he'll learn, and it'll be great, but that's not my job. That's Rich's job. That's Vic's job, right? That, like you said. And, and he says that. He literally says it in his answer, but that's not good enough, and it will never be good enough because it's May. And, and let's be frank here, or well, I'll be Adam, you be Ian, but someone should be frank. Uh, that's a bad joke, but we're going to run with it. <laughs> you you have to ask questions. You it out there. I did. And I don't know if it did or not. I'm sure somebody chuckled. Dad jokes are, are all the rage these days from what I understand. Especially with dads. Yeah, And I am one, so there you go. I, I think that you have to sort of understand that this is a time in NFL media it's this is like the worst time of the year. And again, not to go back to Scotty because I know he's not paying attention anyway, but he hates this time of year. I, I love look looking at what he says on Slack because it's like he's so angry about how stupid everything is in May. Because it is. Once the draft is over, it's just everything is dumb. And then you get to preseason and whatnot and things stop being so dumb. Right, you got to get to training camp, but we're we're not there yet. We're at OTAs, you know. We're at we're at mini camps or whatever. You're, you're nothing is nothing matters right now other than staying healthy, which is really what Jeff Hireman should be worried about. Not to take a shot at Jeff, that was unnecessary, perhaps. And that's on the media. It's on the media to do that to ask the questions that get those stories. And I think the most interesting thing to come out of Tuesday. Wasn't anything about the, the mentor BS or any of that. It's on this. Jeff Hireman was asked on his initial impressions of Joe Flacco. 
He's great. Joe's been around. He's seen just about everything you can see in this league. His experience is huge for us, and it's nice. He's a great quarterback, and he brings that experience and that confidence from being around and doing so much. It's nice to play with him. This is the one that should be what everyone is talking about. On if Flacco seems like he's a step ahead of everybody in the offense, Jeff Hireman. I wouldn't say he's a step ahead. He's probably six years ahead. He's been around. He's seen a lot of football and played a lot of football. Like I was saying, his experience factor is huge for us. To have a guy calling plays that's been around, what year is he on, 12? Yeah, he's got a lot of experience on a lot of guys. That's huge at the quarterback position. There are a lot of us that really appreciate that, and it helps kind of flow, kind of, kind of the flow of the offense and getting everybody where they need to be and what they need to do. That, that's the type of questions that you should be asking if you're in the media, not these lazy-ass questions on if somebody is a mentor. What's obvious to me as a veteran reporter who has covered the Broncos since 2004 is these lazy-ass reporters need their own mentors. And I don't want to get into a bashing of the media on this, but it is so irritating. I constantly try to find ways to tell unique stories, to find angles that nobody else does. And that comes from experience. When I'm out at training camp, I want to ask questions that nobody else will ask. And typically I do that. I think I, but when you constantly have this, tell me about your mindset. Right. Talk to me about. So I guess my here's here's the thing that I I think we've run into, and and it's a, a pretty uh, it's a pretty interesting phenomenon. The NFL has done everything that it can to make sure that it is the center of the world throughout the entire year. So there there isn't a football season anymore, right? There is regular season, there's postseason, there's draft season, there's training camp, preseason. There's a small window, which we are currently in throughout the year, where they don't really own the media, right? They don't own what's what's being produced. But we are in a 24-hour news cycle world where you can go anywhere to get all of your news and information. There's Twitter and there's, you know, there's our blog, you know, Mile High Report, which is part of SB Nation, which is part of Vox and so on and so on. And there is... Uh, and then there's the NFL Network, right? And the NFL Network has to fill time. And it's a 24-hour-a-day network. I watched uh, yesterday on NFL Network, I watched the 2013 uh, Broncos-Cowboys game because they were like, well, we need to play something. And so they picked a fun game for people to watch. And that was a fun game. You may recall that's the one where Peyton Manning scored on the uh, on, on the bootleg touchdown uh, on on the play action bootleg, fantastic! It was a fantastic touchdown. It took 45 seconds, and still nobody knew he was going to score. That being said, you have when you have to fill space, and there's nothing to fill it with. You start to fill it with anything and everything you can get your hands on, and I think that's the issue for the NFL at this point. Is you get to this time. And and you just can't even you can't even do anything. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Well, in the midst of all of this flacco flack and everything, OTAs have started. And so there are things to talk about. What are what are some of your big takeaways from the first couple of days of, of what are essentially practices? Haven't been any major injuries. There was an Achilles tear for uh, a depth offensive lineman. But aside from that, there haven't been any major injuries. So knock on wood, hopefully that continues to be the case. Two things stand out to me. One is that it's obvious that the players 
love playing for Vic Fangio and this coaching staff. I think they really are having great practices. The difference is we're not going to be told about it after every practice. <laughs> Nobody's going to say we had a great practice. I wonder, do you think John Elway said to Vic Fangio, don't tell anyone that you had great practices? Do you think that's maybe a direct, maybe from Patrick Smythe? Don't just like, hey, let's not talk about good practices just so that we don't have to hear about it. I honestly no, because I think Vic Fangio is a lot like Bill Belichick where he has never seen a good practice. He's still waiting for that good practice to happen. Okay. So, so, and I think that's why I'm so excited to have Vic Fangio. And that ties into the other aspect. And I wrote about it for horse tracks on Sunday and that we, we know about the death by inches because he said it in his introductory news conference. The days of death by inches, of shooting yourself in the foot, so to speak, of stupid-ass mistakes costing the Broncos, those days are over. We know about that. But when you look at his quotes and you listen to what the other players are, are saying about Fangio, is that he has a show-me approach to being a teacher and a coach. He wants to see what you can do, not just on the field, not just how you play, but how you prepare. As I said in my story, how do you prepare in the kitchen? How do you prepare in the weight room? How do you prepare in the classroom? How do you prepare by studying your playbook? Show me, don't tell me. We've all heard the adage, actions speak louder than words. And that's what Fangio, that's the approach he has taken as a coach and as a teacher, show me, don't tell me. And I think that explains why he doesn't watch any of the tape of players before he gets to see them on the field. And it it's exciting, but it also shows that the Broncos are in great hands because I love that as a teacher. Show me what you're capable of. Show me what you can do so I know where I can help you because you don't come in with any preconceived notions. You don't think, you know, this player, you don't think, you know, what it is they struggle with or do well with you're coming in with a clean slate. And as I talk about it, I said it was a clean slate in my story for the players, but it's also a clean slate for Vic Fangio. He's coming in with something that he has no idea about, but what he's able to do is once he gets to see them on the field and how they prepare in the kitchen, the weight room, the the classroom, all of that stuff, he starts to get a, an idea in his mind of what needs to happen, where things need to go, what needs to change, what continue, what can continue to be improved on. And that's what I think is it's is so exciting at this point in OTAs. No, I think you make a really good uh, point there, and I'll, I'll sort of uh, I'll echo it in a way that that sort of hits home with me as a as a teacher. Uh, you know, I teach language arts and social studies, and and one of the things that is the one of the most important things that I do is when I grade students' essays. What I love about grading their essays is they are literally showing me what they are capable of when they write an essay. This is what I can do, and then I'm able to take that essay and go. Okay, well, these are the things that you did really well, and these are the things that you need to work on, and here is how you can fix those problems, and here's how you can expand on what you do really well. Here's how you can take what you do really well and make that the focus of what you're doing. And so it's one of those things on the football field, and I think in, on, in all sports and in all walks of life, really, if you can take someone and say to them, this is what you're really good at, we're going to make you even better at that, this is what you struggle with. We're going to fix these problems. That is that is making people better. That's mentoring right there. But not to not to go back to the point. But <laughs> I see what you did there. But that kind of mentoring is is mentoring that comes from people who aren't necessarily also trying to be the quarterback or be the you know it just doesn't work that way. That's the coach's job, and I think. When you hear a coach like Vic Fangio or, or Mike Munchak when he talks about uh, you know the the things that he does on the offensive line and, and his ability to be an offensive line coach uh, and it's about teaching, 
that's what they're doing. And, and, and you can see that they're good teachers. You can see that they're guys who know how to take a player and not just tear them down. It's, oh, you're terrible at this and you're terrible at that. But, hey, this is what you're good at and this is what we're going to focus on. And we're going to fix these things because we know that uh, these will also help you be better. And, and I, I love that. I love seeing that. And I think, if nothing else, what you'll see is a progression from the Broncos from year one under Fangio to year two under Fangio. And then hopefully uh, year three, what you'll have is a team that is sort of firing on all cylinders because they have gone through a, a few seasons of being coached up in that way and bringing in young guys and, and, and free agents that want to continue to get better is going to play into that as well. Uh, you know, I'm not making any predictions right now, but I do think that in the next few years, you'll see a team that is well coached because of his approach that he takes. Well, think about the Chicago bears and you, you know, because you're in the Chicago land area, the bears didn't just become what they are after one season. It took a couple of seasons and getting rid of John Fox to get to where they are. But Vic Fangio played a, a big role. In that, and I think that's, what's going to happen with, with the Broncos as we are joined by the one and only doctor of words, tights and positivity, Lori <laughs> Latimer Volkman. Hang on, words, I'm sorry to interrupt words, in the middle of your <laughs> positivity. Is it wait, it's words, tights, positivity. Is there anything else? Mother you of know, dragons, I, breaker of chains, I, first of her I name. Like dragons. I'm going to, I think I'm going to have to add dragons. Mother yes. of Broncos, maybe mother of Broncos, maybe just to keep it. Keep yeah. it in house. Yeah. Yeah. What's up, Lori? Ha- hey guys. Sorry I'm late. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Sorry I'm late for your party. <laughs> we, the- I am enjoying Ian's wife beater shirt though. <laughs> oh no, it's a, that's a that's a cutoff. There's a difference. The 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 beater <laughs> or what's known as an A shirt, or as my wife calls them, Dago tees. That's the white. I have one of those on. I show it to you. See it's, it's like a it's kind of one of those. <laughs> This is just a cutoff shirt because the sun's out, so the guns are out. I did ask you, and I I said, is it it. sunny where you are right now? He said, yes, it is. Well, you know, I was listening to Orange and Blue. They had one of their players on. He, I think it was was one of the rookies and I think one of the undrafted guys. And they they made some comment about his – his shirt because he had – he must have had it cut off. He he said the same thing. Sun's out, guns out, baby. Like, well, like he probably think- really has guns. Yeah, he probably. <laughs> no offense to Ian here, but he probably actually had arms that you should show off. <laughs> so we we well, touched on so. it. We touched on it earlier, Lori. What what do you? And I had a huge epic rant. It was the, it was impressive. You'll have to listen later about the <laughs> okay. dumbass media asking these dumbass questions about mentoring. And I and I mentioned thankfully that you brought up the definition of mentor for a noun and a verb. <laughs> right. As, That's as right. A Words can bo- be both nouns and verbs. That's mind blowing. As a professor, Unbelievable. as a professor of journalism, what do you make of talk about your mindset when you hear, <laughs> no, that's no, you can't do you that. Hear this, when you hear this mentor stuff. Well, like you, I think it's a stupid question. I, I feel this way this time of year all the time because it's like we don't quite know enough things to talk about. We don't have a game to break down. We don't have a lot to see and practice or to evaluate. So we ask all these sort of theoretical questions about how people are feeling or what they're thinking. And it always ends in in stupidity, quite honestly. So asking if are you know do you feel like you should be a leader are you a leader what kind of leadership qualities are you going to bring to the broncos and i mean i i and same thing with like mentoring are you, is it your job to mentor and first of all they're kind of put players are put in this terrible position to have to answer on the positive side like they're baited to answer it a certain way which is yes i'm a leader i can you know these are the qualities i'm going to bring to the table to be a leader and they're asking these of rookies you know <laughs> like what these guys are brand new and so it's always setting it's up for a, a just kind of a, a bad answer from the athlete and so joe flacco 
his answer was so perfect. I'm really glad he didn't he didn't like buy into the PR part of this and have to say, yeah, I'm going to mentor Drew Locke. But he, you know, unlike the worst part of that whole scenario was not even the question. It was then the headlines that became the story that completely misinterpreted what he said. Because, and I I pointed this out in an article tonight. It is he was he said it's not his job. His job is to learn the offense right now. His job is to win games. I mean, he is he is coming to the Broncos to be the first, you know, to be QB one and to win the game. And so he needs to do everything he can to be ready to do that. And being ready to do that does not mean he's he needs to be concerned about whether Drew Locke knows what he's doing. And so I don't think. I think it's stupid and it's clickbait to read into anything negative of what Joe Flacco said. He was basically saying, my concern is to figure out how I'm going to win the game. And I hope Drew Locke learns from me. I hope, And he has this whole quote that kind of just got left off of everybody's radar, which is about how Drew Locke will learn and how, he, how Flacco will be mentoring him by example. He's like, if we're doing well and we're doing what we should do, then Drew Locke's going to learn a lot of good things because he's going to see us succeeding and he's going to see us lighting it up on the field. And that's how he will learn and become mentored. So you are not a mentor is somebody who's a trained advisor. They're not, they're trained football players. They're coming onto the team to play football. So mentoring happens organically, I think, and it, it can't happen within two days of, of OTA starting, you know, like that's going to be something that takes place over the season. So I with you, I hate the question. I hate the way it was misinterpreted. And I, I love how Joe Flacco actually answered it. I mean, what else is there at that point? Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, we definitely uh, talked about, you know, before you jumped on about how some of the national media took it as well. And I think it's interesting, and I'd like your take on it just because you're a journalism person as well. You and Ian are both uh, sort of on that side of things. Um, you know, one of the points that I made is we live in a 24-hour news cycle uh, where you have to you have to be able to have a story at all times or else you're not relevant. And is, is that a, a, something that you see as, as a negative to the coverage of, you know, especially the NFL right now, you know, the, the worst part of the, the year for the NFL is really probably – this month uh, because literally nothing is happening and you're just trying to invent things out of thin air. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's totally, you know, byproduct of our 24 seven media and, and a very competitive sports scene where, you know, that's why that clickbait headline or tweet is done is because you get the attention and then everybody reads your story because everybody has only really one or two stories out of things like this. So then you've got to be the most outlandish to get any coverage. But yeah, in the, just even in the questions, you can tell they're just trying to come up with something to say because they can't talk about the offense yet. (laughs) They can't talk about, you know, not really. So it's all about, do you like your coaches? How do you like the scheme? Are you a leader? I mean, it's not like all of those are bad, but they, they tend to not be real. Nobody truly cares. <laughs> is the food good? Do you like the laundry <laughs> detergent that they use here? Do you keep your locker clean? There's fungus on yeah. your shower shoes. <laughs> like- Somebody today asked Br- uh, Bryce Callahan um, why he chose the Broncos. Like, yeah, we talked about that. That was like, it's like two months ago. What do you mean why he chose the was, Broncos? Were the Broncos your first choice? Yes. Yeah. Because what else is he going to say? No, you know, I wanted wanted to play for the other team, but they didn't offer me a con. It's stupid. Stupid. Yeah, that one bothered me more. I think that one bothered me more than the the Joe Flacco mentor question because you can can talk. You can sort of work your way around and be like, okay, that that was a good – like Flacco's answer was good. But what was Callahan supposed to say? I mean, I know. did you want That's him to like, say no? Did you think he right. was going to be that stupid? Oh, I bet he's dumb. I got him. I mean, you're <laughs> you're wasting yeah. my time. Everyone has tiny little cuts, right? Death by a thousand cuts there. <laughs> I know. And, you know, Ian and I, I'm sure, Ian, you can appreciate this too. Like you, 
there are interviews you do where you ask sort of an obvious question because you're you are fishing for a particular quote. But in this case, it's such an irrelevant particular quote. I don't even know why you'd bother. Like that was your question two months ago. It can't be today. It was, like, it was so dumb. Were you were you not here? Did you were you yeah. not here for a while? Were you cryogenically he said, frozen? He's been on the team for a while in you know <laughs> NFL you know like in the year so far. Like that was way back, way back months ago. And isn't it? Oh, we, we talk about this 24-7 news cycle, but isn't it the responsibility of the reporter to find the angle that makes fans interested, that gives them something that is newsworthy, to find oh, the angle yeah. that nobody else talks about? And I think that's what gets lost so much now is because it, it, so many reporters are lazy. And I, and I really don't want to get into a media bashing session, but that's what this podcast has turned into. Is I that hope you're it still is, listening. <laughs> it's the responsibility of reporters to find those angles that nobody else is talking about, to give those nuggets to fans that they can't get anywhere else. And even though the, the Broncos put out access with videos and, and Andrew Mason does a remarkable job of, of writing and, and giving – uh, analyses of what's gone on at practice throughout OTAs and minicamp and training camp, and you get those behind-the-scenes videos, you get access that you can't get anywhere else. You still, as a reporter, have access that fans don't get. You you know and see things that no one else knows about. So take advantage of that and find angles for stories that no one else can get. Stand out. Highlight something. You talk to people, you do the work, you do the legwork, especially this time of year. And I don't think that that is done at a rate that beat writers used to do anymore. Well, <laughs> seems like a perfect segue for me to bash Mike Kliss, who can't for the life of him figure out a good story anymore. This yeah, bashing of exactly Mike Kliss, this bashing of Mike Kliss brought to you the Mile High Report radio podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his... His tweet today that I made fun of because that I've decided that's my mission on Twitter. But in fact, that's what I'm going to add to my Twitter handle. Doctor of words and bashing Mike Kliss. That's the Mick. new one. Yeah. Mick, Mick Kliss. That's right. Don't confirm with Nikki. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting, though, Ian, what you said I think is really important. The, there was an injury at OTAs, this Nico Fala, Fala, Nico, 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 we'll call him Nico, first name basis. <laughs> he's just he's just a, a, a place filler, right? I would love to know what the process is going to be for him now. I would have loved to have had a reporter go and interview him and, and talk to him about his injury and where, where do you go next and what are, what, what are your plans and how are you going to come back from this or are you going to come back with this? See, I think there's there's a real human interest story there that you could you could go to and you could create something out of that. And instead, I get, hey Bryce, is this uh, was this your first choice team, the Broncos here? <laughs> and so you're playing a little bit outside. What does that mean? I mean, well, the yeah. sun is like out, so we went outside. outside. Well, yeah, I like to play outside. I like to. Do you like to play outside when it's raining? Yeah, I like to play outside. <laughs> I like to play inside. I mean, you know, I like puddles. I like it when it's dry. I mean, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah, Fine. Exactly. What are we doing? And, <laughs> and as I said earlier, we're not talking about that great answer from Jeff Hireman on the experience that Joe Flacco has in this offense and the benefit that it is for the Broncos. We're talking about dumbass questions about Jeff Hireman being a mentor for Noah Fant or Drew Locke being mentored by Joe Flacco. I will say yeah. that Lori is our mentor. <laughs> but I am not a trained advisor. I just play one on TV. So. Well, I mean, you know, it's not a college course, but we are learning something here. So. Um, yeah, and, nice. and since you're on, Lori, I like to bring it back to sadder notes. The the Chris Harris stuff, I want to I want to jump over to that because there's really not much else to talk about. They practiced, I guess. But uh, there there is... <laughs> There, there is some stuff to talk about here with this Chris Harris Jr. contract dispute, negotiation, what have you. And I, I guess I'm just going to kind of give my take on it very quickly and see what you guys think of it. And, and it just feels like his agent has fumbled this in some way to where there really is only two options. And those two options are he accepts the Broncos offer for whatever it is 
or he doesn't accept it and they and they end up cutting him or trading him and and I'm not sure how that would play out but it, it really feels like there's there's one person to blame and I'm not saying that Chris Harris Jr isn't sort of directing his agent cuz obviously the agent works for him but when the, when someone works for you and you tell them to go do something they still have to do it the right way and it feels like the agent has has screwed this up does is that something that you that that you get a sense of as well? Well, I I personally think that the I, I feel like the agent is probably feeding this line to Chris Harris. I mean, like you said, Chris Harris Jr. is gonna he has an agent. He's gonna tell the agent what he wants. You know, I want to get I want to get paid. I deserve to get paid. You know, these are the reasons why that you bring to the table. But I feel like. You know, when the agent gets in a shouting match with John Elway, that is an agent going, you know, going over the top and prop, in my view, being more concerned about his payday than he is about what is good for Chris Harris. Is that something so, we can confirm? I, don't, I honestly, I'm just asking, is that confirmed? Did he get into a shouting match with John Elway or is that just sort of the perception that's out there? I think that is confirmed by John. Uh, Ben Albright, okay. who, but as a, you know, he has said it or that he has sources that have told him, like, I, right. I haven't seen anything conclusive, um, but we've, we've linked to on stories. We have linked to stories about it happening. So it's out there and nobody has denied it. Right. <laughs> and that's, and that's kind of what I, what I wanted to, to, to hit on is that that's information that nobody John Elway didn't come out and say, Well, this guy yelled at me. But right, it, no. it has the, the, the sort of the puzzle pieces. The narrative pieces is have, out there. Yeah, the puzzle pieces yeah. have fallen into place and there's a, a way to follow that. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that there right. is that well, Rock or PR hasn't shot it down. Right. That's right. I think that's the key, right? <laughs> Mike Gliss has not tweeted that no shouting match has taken place because exactly. you know <laughs> that would happen if John Elway wanted to make sure out there this bashing of Mike list brought to you by mile high report radio <laughs> <laughs> i think so i feel like i think what happened this is my personal take i have no actual sources on the ground to tell me this but um don't confirm elway with that's right that's right <laughs> and and I, I blame Elway because he he has shown this time and again and i think he needs to change this tactic when you have your marquee players, you can't lowball them. Even John Elway shouldn't, he should never go to the negotiating table planning, you know, to pay the biggest or the most or whatever. And that's why he's a good, that's why he's good with, you know, with the salary cap and he's, he's frugal. Um, and, you know, whatever, you can argue whether that's good or bad, but he did it with Von Miller. He did it with Matt Paradis. He did it with Chris Harris Jr. And that is that first offer then becomes kind of offensive to the players. Like, what? I did all this for you. And that's what that's how you're gonna gonna show me that you appreciate what I brought to this team. And I think when you start then the process that way with the player then being defensive and angry, it's it's gonna go south unless you have some really um some really big men able to kind of swallow their pride and have a discussion, which is what happened in Von Miller's case. I mean, Von Miller, basically, I, I honestly don't know that anybody else could do this. Von basically said, I want to talk to John Elway and he and John Elway talked. They didn't negotiate anything, but I think they, by talking face to face and not having the agents there, it was, look, I want you to respect what I've brought to this team. And I want to, I want a salary that reflects that. And I think, I think if Chris Harris Jr. would do that with Elway or if Elway would allow that or ha however that would need to happen, he would have a much better opportunity to tell Elway. And Elway could say, look, I have, this is the amount of money we have. You're 30. Is he 30 or about to be 30? About to be. About to be. Okay. So you're about to be 30. So as good as you have been, I can't, you know, as a as a good businessman, as a as a good franchise, you know, a leader of this franchise, I have to be concerned about how much money I'm not paying just next year for you, but what we're doing for four years and make sure that's fair to the franchise as well as pay you what you deserve. 
And so, you know, we all know how this works. Like it has to do with guaranteed money and, you, you know, the first year is more and then the fourth year is less and you build in things to get out of it if you, you know, if you need to. And I think it'd be better if John Elway and Chris Harris could talk about that kind of stuff. So Chris Harris would feel like he understands that Elway, as human beings, our main interest is to be validated and to be respected and to be, you know, feel like people consider us worthy of what we do. If you feel that from John Elway, and then you let your agent negotiate a contract and it comes back at 13.5, you probably look at that number differently. Like, you know, it's more than Kareem Jackson. It's not as much as Xavier, but he's 25 or whatever he is. So I kind of get it, but it's a lot more than I have. And, you know, I'm guaranteed a lot of money. So even by year three, you know, like whatever that is, there's a way around this, but I feel like we've almost gotten past that point because of the, the animosity and the stubbornness that developed early on. So basically get rid of the lawyers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you can't ultimately, but I do, I, I do think Elway screws it up at the beginning. You know. Yeah, I think I, I think you're right about that. I, I also think, and this this is something that maybe uh, is being overlooked. Chris Harris Jr. was an undrafted free agent. He didn't come into the league touted as a as a, a top prospect. He wasn't, you know, gonna, he wasn't going to you know become the the best cornerback in the NFL. That that's something that happened because of hard work and because of effort and because of the fact that he was able to take that. Uh, that chip on his shoulder, and I hate the cliche chip on his shoulder, but that that idea that there was some disrespect there, and he was able to use that as motivation, and and he's always kind of had that about him, where he's he's seems like a real nice guy, and any interview he ever has done, he seems like he's real down to earth, but there is that edge to him that you know people doubted me, and that's why I am I work as hard as I do, and I put in the effort, and I I am as good as I am because of that, and. Being told I'm not going to d- discuss a ne- or negotiate a contract with you until after the draft, that is uh, just another moment of disrespect that I think that he felt was um, maybe unnecessary from John's point of view. Uh, I think I think Elway probably could have said, you know, we really want to talk to Chris Harris Jr., but we're focused on the draft, and so we're going to wait because we really want to make sure we do well in the draft, and then we want to be able to focus our efforts on getting things done for Chris Harris. But instead, Elway let his emotions get the best of him because he kept being asked and kept being asked and kept being asked. Yeah, we're not talking about it until after the draft. Well, now how does Chris Harris feel, right? I think there were there are missteps along the way by both sides. And if they could just get me in a room and let me talk to them, I don't know if you know anybody, but I could totally fix this. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying I think yeah. I could totally fix this. I could everybody'd be happy if if I was able to just hang out for just like an hour and fix it. They just listen to me. <laughs> In the meantime, I do think that Elway and Chris Harris are going to to meet and to talk. I think they didn't think tell me about it. Am I not invited? I think that's been <laughs> discussed. I think it's been reported. I think even Cliss has said that the two of them want to meet. At least that's what he hinted at. So I think they'll I think they'll get it done. I I think it's in the interest of both to get it done. I don't think anyone wants to deal with the repercussions of this not coming to fruition, especially the Broncos, because I mean, it'd be like letting Rod Smith go because that's the mold that Chris Harris jr. Is in for this franchise. He is this generation's Rod Smith. And if you let that go, you're going to have a lot of pissed off people. I don't know. I never feel like Elway considers that though. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think, I don't think Elway cares about that. And I also think that, the, the the sort of difference there is that as a wide receiver, I think wide receivers can learn to be good when they're not as good as they were at their peak, whereas uh, cornerbacks and defensive backs, when they fall off, they fall off, right? I mean, think about Champ Bailey. Champ Bailey's a Hall of Fame cornerback, maybe the, the best cornerback in Broncos history, save for Louis Wright, who should also be in the Hall. And um, he when when Champ Bailey fell off, he fell off. He was done. That was it. 
right? And so it's it's nerve-wracking to give a guy a contract who you kind of know that as a cornerback, as a defensive back, when he's done, he's done. And now you're paying a guy who's done, and you don't want to be doing that. And I think Elway looks at that, whereas with Rod Smith, to your point, Rod Smith did sort of sort of come onto the scene out of nowhere and, and beca- became this sort of sensation for the Broncos. But then even later in his career, he was still productive, even though he wasn't Rod Smith of you know 1997 and 1998. He was still able to be productive and, and contribute to the team. It just it's different on the other side of the ball because the the league is set up so that wide receivers have the advantage. So once a cornerback is done, he's done. And, and it's it's about rules, it's about it's about the way the league is set up and and it, it's not it's not Chris Harris's fault, but that's probably what's going to happen to him too. Yeah, I mean when you play a position that is a reactive position and you have to be able to keep up with a 22-year-old who runs a 4-2 or whatever, you know, for his that's like pr- that's pretty fast. Four two is fast. I was exaggerating on purpose, but he, you know, they like. There's just no way that it's you're already like you. You can't keep up because you know you're 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 already a millisecond behind no matter what. And the better you are, the better you anticipate and you don't get behind. But like you said, I mean, you drop off because it's such a hard position to play because you are. It's just total reaction. So. And I think that's why the contract would be, I would guarantee the first two years and have it a three or four year deal with team options for the third and fourth year. And that that mitigates the risk for the Broncos, but it also gets Chris Harris Jr. what he wants. So I think that's- Yeah, that's the and I think what John Elway has to recognize right is he, I mean, what's Chris getting right now? Like eight, eight or 9 million? I think it's in and that ballpark. Yeah. And- He's totally worth more than that. I mean, he should he should play next year on more than that. So, you know, and I don't I don't know that we know anything about what Elway has has offered. We don't. But, um, my guess is he probably offered ten. What do you think? <laughs> you know, like whatever it is, not nearly. Uh, you know. It'll worthy be, of what Chris Harris has brought to the It'll be team. interesting to see how it plays out, right? I think that that's kind of, of where this is at. And that, and eventually he will be on the field. And I, you know, my read of it is that uh, they'll get together and they'll find a number that works. And like, like Ian said, they'll find a contract that makes sense for both sides and everybody will be happy. And you'll, you'll see Chris Harris Jr. likely retire as a, as a Denver Bronco. And if not, you know, he'll go away for a season or two and then retire. He'll come back. He'll sign that one-day contract and retire as a Bronco. <laughs> is there, yeah. Is there anything else we need to yeah, – is there anything else we need to touch on here? Have we, have we hit all of the main points this week? I think we yeah. hit everything. Hopefully, it, it, you know, you're talking about Chris Harris's contract next week, <laughs> although it's probably not going to be that quick. <laughs> it probably won't come until a week before training camp. Yeah, I think they'll, they'll want him to get out there for training camp. He doesn't have to be there for OTAs. He's Chris Harris Jr. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Go Broncos.